Welcome back to Talking Lead. This is episode 37. We are back at the Talking Lead quarters. We're moving on up, aren't we? We are. 37 episodes, man. It seemed, it's flown by. Getting close to 40. We're almost at a year, man. In, in in December, we will have done a year of shows. How do we get... How are we on episode 30? Oh, we do one a week. That's right. Uh, that's right. Well, we skipped a couple. I think we've had two weeks off. Or maybe one week. Really? I think we've had one week. Oh, I've not taken a week off. Yeah, we have. <laughs> <laughs> Where did I go during that week? So we want to thank our sponsors, Firearms Radio Network. They are our bandwidth sponsors, firearmsradio.tv. ICE Training. That's icetraining.us. That's our good buddy Rob Pincus and his conglomerate of companies there. We also have All or Nothing Tattoo Studios, allornothingtattoo.com, and their gun-friendly merchandise store, strangleholdmerch.com. And speaking of another gun-friendly store, we've got our great sponsors, U.S. Elite Gear. That's us-elitegear.com. They've been running some really good specials on uh, some products. I saw a flashlight that they had on there the other day that I'm thinking about getting. Uh, looked really nice. Enter the code TALKINGLED at checkout. You'll get a good discount there, too. HG Press, Holder and Green Professional Real Estate Services, and their number is... 1-800-615-1840. That's 1-800-615-1840. And hit extension 2222 to speak with... Miss Tia Green, and she will handle all your Middle Tennessee real estate needs. What'd you do this week in guns? Well, let's see. I was talking about a couple of new acquisitions that I was working on last week, and uh, one of those came through, and you got to see it during one another little topic that we're going to talk about, what we did this week in guns, is I acquired a Remington R1 enhanced version with a threaded barrel. It's just the enhanced version of the 1911. Well, it's not just it, you know. It's a completely <laughs> it's a completely different gun. I mean, you think that maybe they just added something here and added something there, but I mean, it's it's a completely different gun, and uh, you can tell the difference. It's really nice. Did you get a chance to shoot it the other day? No. Oh, okay. Oh, I did not. Oh my gosh. I mean, it, it is sweet. I'm going to be doing a review on that coming up and compare the two and show the differences and whatnot. Well, my weekend guns consisted on something that we did together. We did uh, some videos with Doug Daddish, Reaper 02 from Reaper Outdoors Hunting Show. Also played football at Ohio State, the Atlanta Falcons. You did? No, not me. Man, no. you had a big week. <laughs> <laughs> he, he played football for Ohio State, the Atlanta Falcons, and the Tennessee Titans, and then the Colts. one game for the Colts. But so we did a football season starting video too, where we shot some footballs instead of shooting skeet. Yep, and we that'll be out this that. weekend. That's out, isn't it? No, the uh, hair growing one. Oh, where we're yeah. We're doing the okay. hawks locks for kids. The hawks locks for kids videos up right now, yep. and you can link to that from our Facebook page, and then you can go directly to the our YouTube channel as well. Go to go to hawkslocksforkids.org. It's a great organization, and if you want to do this with us. Send us pictures of your hair, where it is now. Do a before and, and after shot. Yeah, and grow your hair out with us for a year, and then we'll send all our hair to Hawks Locks for Kids. And you see the, the pictures that we've been posting, so we're doing different stages of as our hair grows out. So send us your pictures, and we'll post your pictures if you want us to. And then we've got a special guest tonight. And I'm going to do something we haven't done yet, and I'm going to read this guy's bio. So we've got Aaron Cowan. Aaron began his career in the United States Army in oh, 19... 19- Aaron is with Sage... Sage Dynamics. Yes. Sorry, Aaron. I was going to get to Let's that. No worries. Jumping ahead. What are you saying? Who he is? <laughs> so he started his career in 1999 with the Army, served three years active duty and an additional four in the National Guard. During his time in the military, he served as a rifleman, 
squad automatic riflemen, and designated marksmen, receiving training in small unit tactics, close quarters combat, and ballistic and mechanical breaching. After Sweet. leaving active duty, Aaron worked as a private security contractor with both Conus and O'Connus. And we'll ask him what the heck that is. <laughs> we, we got into some breaching uh, stuff during our shoot this week, too, didn't we? Did we? I guess kind of. Some explosives. <laughs> heck yeah, man. Conducting convoy security, close protection details, static security, and relief security during national disasters. Aaron joined the ranks of the federal law enforcement in 2009 with the Department of Defense. Serving as patrol officer, within a year, Aaron assumed the position of in-service training officer. Aaron held the collateral duty of special reaction team member in 2009 and was promoted to special reaction team leader in 2011. Aaron was responsible for special reaction team training and qualifications as well as instruction and control of the SRT sniper section. Cool. Aaron is a member of the National Tactical Officers Association and International Association of Law Enforcement Firearms Instructors. Aaron writes on training and instruction-related topics regularly for Breach Bang Clear. You write for those little uh, uh, G.I. Joe guys? Uh, yeah, the Mad Duo, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're good guys. Recool Magazine, which we got right, we yeah, got the new one here. I wonder if you're in this episode. And Predator Intelligence, among others. So, Aaron, welcome to Talking Lead, man. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, no problem. That's that's quite the man. Uh, we feel unworthy. Yeah, well, you know, every now and then you get a chance to toot your own horn. And um, one of the things when it when it comes to training is when a student looks for an instructor, they everybody's got a different idea of what they're looking for. But experience is what gets people's attention. Nice. Uh, so is I'm not really comfortable with the whole tooting your whole your own horn thing, but in some situations, it's it's, it's pretty necessary. Part of business. We'll brag for you. Awesome. What did you do this week with guns? This week, actually, uh, yesterday, uh, myself and Matt Powell from uh, Promac, Promac.com, we went down to the range and uh, shot a bunch of um, some more instructional videos for my YouTube channel. My content's kind of light, so I'm trying to boost that up because it's, it's a great way to get people's attention, and it's a really great way to provide at least some training and some practice supplements for, for those people who can't necessarily make it out to courses. What kind of videos did you do? Uh, the main reason I went down there is I wanted to do uh, an empirical study, or at least as close to empirical as possible, between um, a handgun with a reflex sight attached and a handgun with traditional iron sights. Uh, reflex sights have become real, real popular lately because the technology has gotten small enough that we can start mounting them on handguns. Um, so basically what I did for myself was, and this was for my personal enjoyment and my personal information, but I wanted to film it just so it could kind of, you know, other people could benefit from it, uh, was to take... Two different, uh, two identical guns. I took two Glock 17s, uh, one with an RMR, one without. Otherwise, the guns are uh, pretty much identical, except the RMR one is a Gen 3. The, uh, the iron sight version was a Gen 4. Those are really the only difference. And I uh, took three different differences, same, uh, three different distances, I should say, three targets, and um, basically compared them uh, on a shot clock speed and accuracy to see which one ultimately would fail. That sounds like a pretty fun week. With it, was, fire. it was. We also filmed a. Uh, we filmed some drills, uh, some informational drills uh, for people to check out. And um, then I did uh, some, some photographs. I'm, I'm currently evaluating a plate carrier for Blue Force Gear, their new plate minus carrier. Uh, so I, I, I put that thing through some pretty serious punishment as well. Uh, it, was, it was running into 90 degrees. I drank about six gallons of water and a pretty normal day at the range. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of drinking, not six, pound, six gallons of Jameson, huh? I saw that, that Instagram post. <laughs> uh, 
that was that was uh, basically a, a disagreement over whether Jamerson was good or not. And and of course, my standpoint is Jamerson Jamerson is awesome, and uh, and Miss Tiffany she she disagreed. Now, see, Jamerson is a is a blended, right? It's not a single malt, is it? Uh, you know, I off the top of my head, I can't remember. I'll I, tell you right quick. I think it's a, I think it's a blended. I haven't tried it, so I'm not going to say whether or not I like it. But after I switched to single malt scotch. You never I've, tried Jameson? I've had other blendeds and That's I can't good. stand them now. It's crazy. It's yeah, not Jameson, yeah, uh, and pretty much everybody I know is a huge Jameson fan. In fact, uh, Brandon Bond jumped in on that one and he said Jameson is good at any temperature. Apparently, he had been drinking Jameson out of a bottle that had been floating in a jacuzzi. Yeah, I think uh, he had I a, saw that post. Uh, I think he had an <laughs> IV like of Jameson. 100, 104, 105 degrees, and he's still taking shots out of the bottle. So that. That speaks very highly of the, the quality of Jameson. <laughs> if you can get scotch that hot, yeah, it's got to be pretty good. That's yeah. funny. <laughs> Surely not Brandon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's the tie-in. Okay. <laughs> yeah, me and me and Brandon go back a long way. Do you? He's a good guy. Yeah, we. I've known Brandon for probably about eight years, nine years. Have awesome. you got some uh, artwork from him? I do not as of yet. Uh, that's that's coming in the future, hopefully. Um I, I have quite a bit of artwork, but uh, I haven't uh, been ready for, for his skills. It's hard to afford uh, his artwork, isn't it? <laughs> you know, I honestly don't know. I've never asked him. I'm not the guy who walks in and says how much. So yeah, I've never, we've yeah. never even had the conversation. Well, the caliber of their place, too. That's just not yeah. a place you go in and do that. It's just like, yeah, I, mean, I want a tattoo by you. I don't give a shit what it costs. <laughs> yeah, I, I look for skill first, and if I'm worried about price, because I might not be able to afford it, that's the only time I'm going to bring it up. And according to Brandon, he, it depends on what you want too, as to exactly. as to exactly. who does it. You know, because if it's something that you're wanting, and there's a guy over here that does that exact thing, then he's going to try to set you up with that guy. That's the way he explained it to us, anyway. Yeah, it kind of it kind of it kind of blew my mind because <laughs> you know I thought, okay, I'm, I'll, if I'm going to get a nice sleeve and pay good money for it, I'll, I'll go to my brother-in-law. And as I'm talking to him about it, he's like, you know what? I don't think my style fits you. And I was kind of like, what? And they told me to go look at a couple of his artists. And we came back. I came back to him about a month later after looking at Mike McMahon and Dave Tedder. And sure enough, I connected more with the stuff that Mike McMahon was doing. And I went back and looked at Brandon's stuff, and I didn't connect with it. And I was like, wow, dude, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> no, it's very true. It's very true. Uh, um, some artists have a very strong competency in a certain style, and, and they're they they can do anything you yeah. know a high quality artist can tattoo any kind of style but there's always going to be something that they're better at than something else yeah uh, so an artist that will steer you uh, that way is I mean to me that's like the ultimate integrity yeah. uh, when it comes to their artwork because they're going to be like you know what I can do this but this guy does it better. Well, you kind of lucked out this week, Aaron. We have a segment where we highlight people in the media, whether it's musicians, artists, or, or actors that are pro-gun. And this week is the first week where we actually have an interview with one of those guys. Um, okay, great. So, so here is the interview I got to do with Big Kenny from Big and Rich. Zeke with Talking Lead, and I'm here with Big Kenny. Hey, Zeke. Good to be here with you today, brother. And tell us a little bit about what we just talked about downstairs, the new ElectroShine. First of all, you know, our, today, I wanted to give everybody an introduction to ElectroShine so you know 
what it is, where right. it came from, what it's about. We want to get people dancing. You got me fired. <laughs> <laughs> get people dancing, feeling good. We want to be the joy bringers. Um, but the, the main thing that this event was today is to let people know that we're dropping a release of two Big and Rich remixes, new ones, Party Like Cowboys and Born Again featuring Bon Jovi and Richie Sambora on September 3rd. So then we're going to do additional announcements as we go, you know, as new projects are coming out, like the Marley Project, the Hope Chant one, uh, and all these other songs we still have to put out, and then uh, the shows, the festival things we're doing, and then the release of the whole album. So we'll get them individually, but today, September 3rd, Big and Rich Electro Shine remixes of um, Party Like Cowboys and Born Again. Make you want to move, make you want to dance. The whole Electro Shine project has been a passion project for me. Um, And, uh, you know, something that John and I both work on is trying to expand, trying to to continue the expandalism of music without prejudice in the the mafia way. And so this dream of mine with one of my big production buddies came around a couple years ago where we just... You know, I saw dance coming in everywhere. I love to dance. Every time we do a Big and Rich show, John and I end up out at some club dancing. Um, we just love that whole element of fun. So this was a way to bring all these crazy talents from from badass Appalachia fiddle banjo players <laughs> to the baddest-ass producers in EDM, awesome. slam them together, put some mariachi trumpet in it or anything else we wanted, do a show that's got some of the most insane, crazy effects and bring to our people a musical circus. That's awesome. Of high intensity <laughs> and insanely great talent. And we call it Electro Shine. Cool. And we're also creating a... Um, a, a sipping whiskey that is electro shine, a very beautiful be body, <laughs> ba- and a very beautiful bottle based on the shine that best shine I have found in traveling across all of North America. Sipping whiskey for friends, sweet that Appalachia cool. love shine, peach. And that was a pretty cool interview. Interesting guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The uh, Electro Shine music that he's got, that they're releasing is, it's interesting. It's like a high energy. Looking forward to hearing that. Techno That's style cool. with, with fiddles and banjos and stuff now, Were like you that able too. to secure us some uh, bumper music from that? Uh, yes, we will be. We'll be really? getting some from his publicist. Nice. Yes. Okay. We will be getting that. So that's pretty cool. So that, that dude's like as tall as you, isn't he? No, he's not. Is he not? I, I thought with a name like Maybe. Big Kenny, and he towers over Rich. Yeah. He was going to be like 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, no, I've I'm got a good foot on him. Really? Well, not a foot. Did he he's, have his he's, big he's, hat on? He's, he's probably like 6'1". I'm 6'7", so i got six inches on him. He's the one that wears those big hats, right? Yeah, he, he wears the top hats. hats. Okay, yeah. I got you. That makes him look taller. Yeah. Interesting guy. High energy, too, man. I left that place fired up about anything. I was fired up about going and getting gas. That's <laughs> just weird. Okay. Well, so, good. I'm so, glad he charged your batteries. <laughs> <laughs> so, Aaron, we got a segment, too, that we Tooted call... your horn. <laughs> Dude, oh, Jesus. <laughs> 
Hoorah, Semper Fi, do or die, hold them high at 8th and I. It is time for the talking lead Jack Wagon of the Week, so brace yourself, baby. So we got a segment called Jack Wagon of the Week. We put people on the Jack Wagon train that his has that have done really stupid things in the world of firearms whether it's a politician being anti-gun or an actor saying don't go watch my movie because it's got guns in it whatever just stuff like that or even the civilian that's done something stupid well it's 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 not exactly recent um it was it was last month there was a firearms instructor up in ohio that Uh, shot a student very flat we used it (laughs) uh have you you already spoke have you already talked about that yeah we used them uh i think the week of let's we didn't talk detail about it though do you you have like details on it well, my biggest issue with it is is uh, yeah, a lot of your articles take I saw it. about it. They kept using the word accidentally. They said he accidentally yeah. shot a student, yeah, and yeah. I don't agree with the use of the word accident. The only the only way it could have been an accident is that the gun went off on its own, which right. it didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that situation, that's negligence, um, and it's very very rare for an instructor to shoot another student. It, it doesn't happen very often, thank God, but it does occasionally happen due to negligence. Uh, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Or just getting pissed yeah. off at a retarded student. <laughs> well, that's, that's that's possible. You don't want that guy. Friendly fire. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but not too long ago, there was a, a instructor by the name of Sonny Pazookas that shot another instructor uh, in a shoot house. And a lot of people, same thing. They said accident, accident, accident. Or no, it was negligence. They they didn't observe proper safety protocol, and it, it resulted in someone getting shot. Sure. All right. Um, and, you know, in my opinion as an instructor, if I were to negligently shoot someone, I would expect the entire firearms industry to say, you should not teach anymore and do everything they could to keep me from teaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you, you don't get a second pass, or you shouldn't. Uh, our industry needs to be self-policing because there's no over-government board or, or what have you that says, okay, these are the standards you have to meet to be an instructor. Uh, there are certifying boards such as NRA Law Enforcement Division or NRA Civilian Side, and, uh, and Rob Pink is, um, is a great program, but there's no across-the-board 50-state standard. So it's really easy for someone with no experience whatsoever to just start teaching. Uh, and unfortunately, sometimes those people injure, injure other, uh, well, they injure students. Now, when you say Rob Pink is program, you're talking about the combat focus shooting? Oh, yeah, that's a great program. Yeah. And then now, are you affiliated with any programs like that? Uh, I'm not affiliated with Rob Pincus. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm a fan, though. He's definitely a, a, a great asset to the firearms community industry. We we definitely share a lot of the same uh, mindsets when it comes to training and uh, uh, real world. And, Except uh, the for one. There is one yeah, mindset yeah. that we've discussed <laughs> that y'all don't share the same on. He is we a, do. We, uh, he is a big fan of appendix carry. You know, I'm not. Um <laughs> We we were going to disagree there, but that's that's going to happen. My biggest my biggest issue with appendix carry is the fact that you're muzzling your femoral artery and your uh, your wedding tackle. Um, <laughs> I uh, I don't care for it, and to me, uh, when it comes to biomechanical efficiency, you're going to be able to draw and shoot faster from the hip. Uh, that's not to say it's a bad position to carry from if that's what you want, but just you have to be aware of the risk versus reward. Also, another problem I seen with it and experienced it myself is drawing your weapon from appendix carry in uh, what I consider less than ideal shooting positions, which would be a shooting position you don't choose to be in. It's a position that someone else puts you into before you're able to access your weapon, such as the fetal position, which is a reflex of a response to being knocked down and kicked or hit or what have you. Uh, when you're in that fetal, it's nearly impossible to draw that weapon. All right. So Aaron, we ask every guest on the show their first time. We've got five questions that we ask. 
And the first question is, how did you get involved with firearms? Well, I grew up in a hunting family after a fashion. Um, my dad has a lot of brothers. They were all hunters. He, he himself is not much of a hunter, but we did have guns in the home. I started shooting probably around five or six. I owned my first uh, gun, a bolt action 22, when I was seven. Obviously, I didn't, you know, it was locked up and I only had access to, access to it under supervision. Um, but that's just kind of how it started. That 22 rifle had been passed down to my grandfather, to my father, to me. And I would say in its lifetime, it probably had close to 50,000 rounds. But wow. now I still have it, and I still shoot it. Uh, it's a tube-fed uh, Stevens. came from Sears Roebuck and Company. That's cool. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's a 14-round iron sight, wood stock, nothing special about it, but it's still my favorite gun. But it shoots as true as the day it came out of the box, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. It's, 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 it's plenty accurate for what it is. So are you a big hunter also? Uh, actually, I stopped hunting... After I left the military, I uh, just kind of lost my, my taste for it. And then that leads into the second question, which is military law enforcement experience. And we kind of read your bio and gave brief synopsis of it. Can you give us a little more detail of like, what all you did? And- well, I did, uh, I did three years active duty with the uh, 3rd Infantry Division, and then I did four years with um, 1st of the 121st here in Georgia. I left the National Guard. I considered going back to active duty, but I wanted to uh, kind of pursue other options. I went into, uh, had a friend of mine that was in private security contracting. He's like, hey, why don't you come work for me? It's, it's really good money. And this was uh, right around the time where secure, private security contracting was huge. So I got into that, worked stateside doing uh, celebrity executive protection and executive protection for uh, corporations, did Citibank and, and a couple other big ones. Did some, when you asked earlier, CONUS, OCONUS. Uh, CONUS is continental United States. OCONUS is outside the continental United States. Okay. Uh, so I did I did a bit of traveling, went to a few continents. And uh, did hurricane relief. I did uh, Hurricane Katrina. That was exciting. And then I decided that you know this is a great industry. It pays really well, but there's no there's not necessarily a future in it as far as like financial stability. You're not making money unless you're working a contract. Uh, and I kind of matured to the point where I wanted to pursue a, a different career, but I wanted to stay in the same vein of, uh, of basically law enforcement. So I pursued a career with law enforcement specifically. I. Uh, hired on with the Department of Defense as a police officer um, and progressed. You know, I brought a lot of training with me, so I progressed pretty quickly when I went to work for DOD. Went from patrol to in-service training officer, and basically what I did there was I was responsible for all the in-service training and standards for the entire department as far as use of force, defensive tactics, constitutional law, traffic stops, keeping everybody up to date on Supreme Court decisions. Uh, it was a it was definitely a full-time job. It was a 12-hour day job. I loved it. And then I did the uh, collateral duty on our SRT, which is uh, DOD's version of SWAT. Got a lot of really good training, a lot of really good experience. My personal protege instructor, uh, I was able to meet him, and he's the one who basically told me, he's like, you know, you're teaching cops, and that's great, but you really need to teach everybody you can. He's like, you're, you're going to make a great instructor because you're able to relate to people on a reality basis, and you're not out there as a demonstrational instructor. You're out there as an educational instructor. He's like, you're actually teaching people you're not teaching people to memorize things. You're teaching them how to use what you teach them as a tool, which is the ultimate level of education, is being able to apply what you've learned to a situation. Uh, and I started Sage Dynamics, and we train civilian side, and we also train law enforcement and military, uh, and I'm, I'm having a lot of fun with it. I want to I rewind a little bit. When you mentioned Katrina, I could tell that there was a little uh, a little spark there. Do you have some interesting stories about that that you'd like to share with us? Well, Katrina was probably the, the worst 
I, I'd say, showing for, for private security contractors. The, there's a lot of controversy over the contractors who are down there. And, and from and this is just my personal opinion, that the reason for that was they needed so many people to provide law enforcement and security uh, tasks so quickly that they were pretty much just greenlighting anybody who could come. Uh, and that led to a lot of friction between some companies and actual federal law enforcement, uh, New Orleans Police Department, uh, some of the parishes, police departments and sheriff's departments. So it was just, it was a, it really didn't do a whole lot for the industry as much as it could have because there is a viable need for private security contractors. And unfortunately, all the good that was done by private security contractors down there usually gets overshadowed by some of the bad things that happened. Right. Just takes one bad incident to ruin the whole thing, doesn't it? And yes, sir. And it's just, it's just like that in law enforcement. You you hear the stories about cops who necessarily made a mistake or, or something like that. But there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of events every day where police officers do exactly what they're supposed to do. But you don't really hear about those. Our third question is has to do with pop culture. And what is your go-to? Whether it be a movie, uh, music, book, magazine. Your go-to to get your fix for firearms? Hmm. Uh, I actually read Recoil. Uh, I also read the online content, and I, I do write for them, but I, I've been reading them since before then. Um, and they had some controversy of their own in recent history, but they uh, they had a change in command over there uh, that has done worlds for the magazine. I just um, I'm also, I just started uh, reading that magazine, and I, I didn't know it was out previous, I guess, but uh, probably... I don't know. Two issues ago, I started reading it, and I really mm-hmm. like it. It's a it's high quality. Um, not only just the the content that's in it, but just the magazine itself, how it's made. You know, it just feels like it's high it, quality. It's it's more of a lifestyle magazine. <laughs> it's almost like right, a, exactly. I, that's how it. Exp- yeah, which it's is almost what like I really a, appreciate it, and I really hope they're able to to repair the relationship that was damaged by one article because it's a, it's an actual true lifestyle magazine for the firearms community, which is great because. I mean, you have the the, the, uh, the I guess the the tellers like guns and ammo, SWAT weapons and tactics, and those are great magazines too. But they focus so much on the gear and the equipment that they kind of they don't really focus as much on the lifestyle and, and the uh, the industry as a whole and, uh, as much as Recoil does. And when we spoke before, I brought up that controversy, and you told me that basically they've revamped the entire not necessarily ownership, but at least all the editorial staff, all the main guys that made those screw ups back then, right? Yes, sir, they did. On the uh, the website, you have David Reeder. He's uh, one of the editors for the website. And then on the print side, you have Ian Harrison. Most people recognize him from Top Shot. Top Shot, he's taken yeah. Over, yeah, he's taken over the print side. He's a he's a great guy. Uh, I, I can't really say anything bad about the man. I'm, I'm, and I'm definitely uh, impressed with, with how he's been able to uh, drive the magazine. They didn't really drive it in a different direction. Mm-hmm. But they they wanted to kind of reiterate the fact that like a mistake was made by a writer and we're we apologize for it and I think in our community especially uh, Second Amendment supporters we we have to be united we're all on the same team yep. so if you can you got to be able to in certain situations say okay a mistake was made let's move past it you know what it's almost like it's almost like a maxim for guns it really is yeah really is cool yeah I like it and and I like know. his description it's a lifestyle magazine you yeah. Know. It, it is. It's got some great articles, though. And like you said, I read a couple by Ian, and he does a really good job. But I haven't seen yours yet. Are you in any of the new, these new? I'm on the website right now. I haven't uh, had oh, an article okay. put on the print side. Yeah, I, I, I do the website. I've done I've done uh, two articles and been included in a third, uh, and I've got two more in the shoot. 
Well, I need to go to the web. I didn't know they had a website. Also, I need to go check that out. Yeah, the webs the the web the web version of Recoil is actually updated constantly. So if you want some good Recoil content, the website has new articles going up all the time. Uh, and because go there I and can't seem articles. to write anything short, my articles are usually broken up over you know in two or three <laughs> parts, and they post. Yeah, I, I'm just not capable of knocking out 500 words. I usually uh, end up uh, doubling or tripling that because of my attention to detail. Uh, I'm working on that. So the fourth question is, is there currently or has there ever been in your arsenal a firearm that there's a little bitty part of you that's kind of embarrassed to say you either own or have owned? Oh, God, yes. Uh, I owned a, um, it was a Taurus, their, their license-built copy of the Beretta. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I owned that probably, this must have been 10 years ago. Uh, I bought it because, you know, the price was right. It was $250 at a pawn shop, and I was like, okay, sold. Um, and it came, and this was, this was during the, the assault weapons ban, so they gave me some 10-round mags, and I still had 15-round magazines uh, from the military. Sure. Um, so I was like, okay, great. I got a good little 9 millimeter. Let's go check this thing out. I took it to the range, and, and after about 25 rounds, I was like, I just want to, you know, give this to someone as a boat anchor or something. This is like the worst <laughs> handgun I've ever had in my life. And you know what's uh, crazy? That they they what? stunk so bad, but they they, they were building them because they bought the Beretta factory. Yeah, and, yeah. And uh, they were using all the same equipment, but the gun still sucked. And it was yeah, it was, the it price was point crazy. is what kept know. it on the shelves. Uh, too. Maybe they just maybe they um, they brought in people who didn't know what they were building necessarily. Uh, like they hired some people who who had mechanical experience putting together washing machines or something. I'm not really <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, boat and anchors. And the thing with the gun is, it, it, it I didn't have any malfunctions with it, but the bullets just kind of went where they wanted to. Um, <laughs> And I'm like, it must be me, it must be me. At the time, I also owned what's called the Baby Eagle, the Jericho, a 9mm polymer frame. Great little gun. And I was like, okay, it must be me. So I'd put down the the Taurus, and I'd pick up the the IMI, the Baby Eagle, or Eagle, or whatever you want to call it. Um, And I'd shoot that, and I'd be getting, you know, a good ragged hole. And I'd go back to the Taurus, and I'd be shooting all over the place. And I'm like, yeah, I don't think I want this gun anymore. Um, (laughs) And I'm a utilitarian when it comes to firearms anyway. If I have no use for it, I tend to get rid of it. So my collection is very streamlined, I guess you could say. Um, gotcha. I, I, I own quite a bit of guns, but mainly now that's more on the company side because I have Glock 7, a lot of Glock 17s for um, the simunition side that we do so we can convert them to sims. And also I need extra weapons to have on hand during courses in case somebody's weapon goes down. That makes sense. That's a good point. All right, we're going to add another one too. Okay. And Zeke doesn't know about this. No, I don't. I'm sitting here with a confused I've been, look. <laughs> I've been talking about it, and we got this. Actually, was a, a suggestion from our, our buddy Brian Bolivar. Uh huh. He he suggested that we add this one or replace it if we have somebody having trouble with that question. Okay. Is there a gun that you have owned that you wish you could get back? Oh. Uh. I had a Colt 1911. Uh, I believe it's the Mark Eight. Think that's what. It was? And I sold it because I was getting out of 1911s. I had a few 1911s at the time. I've owned quite a few 1911s. I, I, I don't own any now. But that's one gun that I kind of wish I'd held on to because it was a Colt 1911. Yeah. Um, I didn't feel bad about getting rid of my Wilson Combat or my Kimber or my Nighthawk. That Colt, I'm like, yeah, maybe I should have held on to that. <laughs> that's one you wished you still had, huh? Yeah. I'm not entirely sure if it was the actual Mark 8. It might have, might have been something else. I'm trying to remember because, this, again, this was quite a while ago. So the next question is... Six. We're at six now. Next question is, um, 
on your bucket list, what's your next gun that you want to get? What's the firearm that you're just itching you want to get one of those? Well, like I said earlier, I'm, I'm pretty utilitarian when it comes to firearms, but there is one gun that I've always been really, really interested in owning, and that's an, uh, a Mataba auto revolver. A what, say it again? It's a Mataba auto revolver. I'm Massaba. pretty sure I'm, I'm murdering the pronunciation of the word, Mataba, Mataba. It's an Italian-made hmm. uh, semi-automatic revolver. It's basically the, the chamber, the, the cylinder self-rotates with every pull of the trigger. Oh, wow. It's a very futuristic-looking gun, even though it was designed and built in 1997. Um, I don't know how many of them are actually in the United States. I've never seen one in person. I've seen them in uh, a couple of movies, and I've seen them, you know, obviously on YouTube and stuff like that. How but, would you uh, go about was, spelling that, do you think? It's M-A-T-E-B-A. M-A-T-E-B-A. I'm Googling it. I've never <laughs> heard of that. I haven't either. Yeah. Oh, it's, here it is. It's a very rare gun. <laughs> it looks like the Rhinos. The, it does. The, Olivia does. Chapa. Yeah, I, I, they Chiapa. may have designed theirs after that one. The Chiapa Rhino. Yeah, I but, think those uh, are really cool three, looking. It, it, it comes in 357, 44 mag, and I think 454 Casul. Uh, I would probably, you know, if I could get one, I'd go for the 357 Magnum. Uh, I own a 357 Magnum Colt Python. That, uh, it's probably nice. the only full-size revolver that I would actually carry. Beautiful. So that's rated the most beautiful gun ever made. Rick Grimes. <laughs> it, was a, it, was a, uh, it was a gift from my uncle when he Talk retired from the LAPD. Oh, wow. Yeah. He just—he he, it was actually my first handgun. He decided I should have a handgun, so he gave me his Colt Python. Which, oh man, that's a nice gift. <laughs> which size is it? It really is. Is it the full size? It really is. is it? It's the, it's the four. It's the four inch barrel. Oh, okay. So it's the more valuable one of all of them too. That's it, one hell of a gift. It's not the Rick Grimes model. No, <laughs> it's not the big long hog walking. No, no, it's not. It's not like Joker length or anything. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It's of a reasonable barrel length. You know, I'm tall enough, I could probably conceal one of those Joker-length guns. <laughs> I carried it for a while, and you definitely know it's there. Yeah, you um, could conceal it, your it, it will never let you forget you're carrying it, because it's got some considerable weight to it. And, you know, it, it's it's one of those guns that you can you can use it for self-defense. You can take the bullets out of it and build a house. Sure. Um, <laughs> works as a good framing hammer. Yeah. <laughs> so with Sage Dynamics, you are based out of Atlanta, correct? Yes, sir. And if anybody wants to know how to get some training from you, just go to sagedynamics.org? Yeah, it is sagedynamics.org. All our course offerings that we currently have, except for a hybrid class that I'm developing, uh, are on there. Uh, prices are on there. We're about to actually standardize our pricing. Every class across the board, except for some of those specialized stuff and some of the simulation classes, will be $200. So no matter what level you're getting into, whether it be the fundamental level, the intermediate level, or the advanced level, 200 bucks one day of training. Classes tend to run 8 to 10 hours, and we're in development for a civilian response active shooter course. That'll run a little more because that'll be simunitions-based. And our force focus class is simunition-based. That'll run a little more just because Sims ammo is is it's expensive. That's, that's um, actually so, a really good price, though, 200 bucks compared to some of the other ones we've seen. Tell, me, tell us a little bit about the... The simunition class. Simunitions is basically it's a non-lethal training ammunition. It shoots a little stoke-tip paint bullet. Um, but the advantage to simunitions is is firearms, unlike sports, we can't go out and practice. We can't go out and get in a mock gunfight using live ammunition. So simunitions is one of those systems that allows you to experience the physical and psychological responses that you're going to have in an actual use of force without any risk for life or uh, to your life or any risk of injury. Right. It's as close as you can get to a real real gunfight without live ammo. 
So it's very beneficial for students, even at the uh, the entry level, to come out there and go through the course or go through any course. Find a simunitions instructor near you. And it's relatively new for the civilian market. Up until recently, it was only available for law enforcement and military. But I like having students come out and they're able to validate their personal skills or say, you know, I've been doing this for so long and I just realized that in a real use force, this isn't going to work. So it's it definitely... Um, it provides, we provide a great deal. There's a four-hour classroom block of instruction that goes into all the physiological and psychological responses you're going to experience or likely to experience in a use of force. And then we put you in the in the, the fundamentals class, which is our basic. We put you through six scenarios, which are judgment scenarios. They're shoot, don't shoot kind of scenarios. Mm-hmm. And you face situations, and every scenario is based on something that has actually occurred in real life. Uh, of, the, of the six scenarios that I use, well, I have 12 that I can use. I rotate them. Out of the 12, 10 of them happened to civilians. And of those 10, five of them happened to students I've had in the past. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I try to keep it as realistic as possible. And, of course, the use of simunitions led to the T-shirt that I'm wearing right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've got the Hostages Save Lives shirt on. And oh, yeah, that's I, uh, the Brandon Bond one. Yeah, I've had so many people go, what are you saying? And I'm like, I have to go in the explanation of the movie where mm-hmm. he was training with the SWAT team and they were using the simunition and they're screaming out hostages save lives so yeah that uh yeah i remember that so i remember uh, seeing the pictures from that that day when he uh, took a sims round to the bare head uh, <laughs> i feel his pain uh, as an instructor i usually play the primary role player in the uh-huh. scenario, so i get shot a lot and i I've, I've taken uh, i took a good one in the head not too long ago my uh the, i was wearing one of the older style safety masks which you have to wear a helmet with and the helmet had come off oh uh, no and I'm like, you know what? I got to give this guy's money's worth. I'm going to show him that, you know, threats can get up after you put them down. So I started to get up, and he gave me one on top of the head, which is what he should have done. But yeah, it, it it didn't feel good. And you're 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 on the lack of hair side also too. So you didn't I have do any shave my head, but yeah, I, I don't <laughs> like paying for haircuts, so I just buy razors. Yeah. See, I used to say shave my head like that too. But as big as I am, people used to freak out and like move out of the way like I was some evil biker dude, and I was just like, ah, mm-hmm. you know, I gotta, I gotta go back to the hair thing. <laughs> yes, sir. The bald head will do that. I've had people cross the street to avoid walking by me, and I'm, I don't really understand. I don't think I, uh, I look that threatening, but I guess you know, you, you shave the head, and, and people get a, uh, they have misconceptions about what kind of person you are. I guess. Yeah. Now you said you were developing a hybrid class. Can you talk a little bit about that? Basically, what we're doing, I'm doing this with Matt Powell on Mac. Uh, Matt teaches a it's a it's a it's a martial art based on biomechanics. Uh, he focuses specifically on how the body works, how to defeat it, and how to maximize your own movement and flexibility. Uh, the hybrid class is basically going to take the simunition side and in a large side, teaching people extreme close contact techniques okay. um, for for those that carry. Because there's plenty of situations that you can find yourself in, and people have found themselves in where. The threat presents suddenly, and they get into a physical altercation with someone who's attempting to use lethal force against them, and they have a weapon. How did they get to that weapon? How best to employ that weapon? Sure. Uh, so it's going to be it's going to be a, basically a hybrid between a, a simunitions firearms class and a martial arts class. Now, when you say the types of martial art, is that similar to Aikido? Because isn't Aikido using motion and... Well, Aikido basically is like uh, that you're using your enemy's momentum against them, right. uh, whereas uh, Promek is you're using the body against them. You know how okay. you, you learn how the fulcrums work, where the load is, where sure. uh, basically how to manipulate the joints, how and how all the joints work. Once you understand the maximum uh, the maximum average flexibility for a wrist or for an elbow or for a shoulder or for a hip or what have you, uh, you're able to deliver point force to those areas. And obviously, Matt could explain this much better than I could. 
to those to those parts of the body in order to defeat a person. And it, it's basically put them down as fast as possible. Okay. Uh, and it's one of those arts that people look at, just like with some of the, the simulation stuff we do. They're like, well, that was really violent. I'm like, well, yeah, you want to use as, most, as much violence as you can, as long as you're justified in using it, as quickly as possible to just stop the threat. We need to come down there and take some classes. I'd love to have you guys there. You can come down there and knock out some videos. No, I, I, I seriously like take one of those uh, simulation classes. Yeah, that's be, one thing we've learned. Awesome. You know, every single trainer that we've either had on the show or gone to their classes, they all say go to many, many schools because the moment yeah. you walk into a school and they say we're the ones, you're all you need to come to is here. Get the hell out. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, because sir. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to uh, trying to work out right now schedules with uh, uh, Matt DeVito, at downrange firearms training. I'd really like to do his class, even though I'm an instructor. I don't know everything. I mean, I still learn from my students. Every class I have, there's one. There's going to be at least one student in that course that teaches me something because everybody has their own experiences and their own knowledge that they bring to the table. And just because I'm a firearms instructor doesn't mean I know everything there is to know about everything. I'm not. I don't consider myself a subject matter expert because other people make that determination. I can't make it for myself. Sure. If my peers decide I'm a subject matter expert, then I am. I'd like to think that I'm an above average shooter and I'm a, a very competent instructor. But that ultimately that uh, that's up to, to my peers and, and my students if they decide so. So far, I haven't had a student be disappointed with what I taught them. So I think I'm doing a good job. Yeah, kind of the philosophy I've really taken on. Do you have, are you familiar with Paul Markle? Uh, yeah, student, yes, student of the gun is is that whole his book and his philosophy of once you decide to take on firearms and carrying defensively, you are always a student of the gun. You will never know everything there is to know, and there are always going to be new stuff to learn. Definitely, and it's it's funny because when you first get that carry permit, you have this feeling of yeah, I got a gun now, I can handle myself. But then you go to that first defensive firearm class that's not. Your little eight-hour handgun carry permit yeah, class, yeah, yeah. Yes, and you're yeah. like, "Oh my god, I would have been dead." <laughs> and uh, people spend a, a lot of money on firearms, and you'd like to hope they'd spend at least that much money on training. And and there's a difference between training and practice. Training is provided by a, a professional, reputable instructor who's going to teach you things that you don't necessarily already know. Uh, practice is when you go out there and you basically validate what you're taught. Sure. So if you've never received, and obviously some things you can learn on your own. Uh, and practice on your own. But experience only counts if you're doing it right. So you need to go to someone who's able to give you those skills so you can be like, okay, this is how it's done. This is how this instructor teaches it, how this instructor teaches it. This is what the industry accepts as a really standard way to perform this technique. So this this is the right way to do it. And you go from there. And, I, you know, you got to be a responsible gun owner. If you buy a gun, you need to receive some kind of training and how to use it. All right, so now it's time for Facts, facts to Fight facts, 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 myths. Facts, myths. And Aaron Cowan is our guest, so we're going to let you go first. My biggest pet peeve and myth is uh, it's in regards to home defense, uh, the best weapon for home defense. People, I hear it a lot, uh, they recommend a shotgun. Uh, usually, and the most common shotgun is, even though some of our Macs are becoming more popular, is the pump-action shotgun. Mm-hmm. Why I don't recommend a pump-action shotgun or any shotgun for home defense is the increased risk for overpenetration, whether slug or double lot, it's going to go through lots of walls just because of the, the weight and velocity uh, of the load. Uh, and operating a pump-action weapon under stress, there's a high risk if you've never trained and practiced under stress of short-stroking the weapon. Also, you're looking at a magazine capacity of anywhere from eight to down to four rounds, depending on what kind of shotgun you're using. And you can you know, get some that have nine or ten. That's not a lot of ammo to get in a gunfight. Right. Uh, I believe... 
the best weapon for home defense is the AR-15. Increased hit probability, more options, uh, ease of operation, and you have, with a standard capacity magazine, 30 rounds. And as far as ballistic-wise, on the ballistic side of things, the if you're chambering, say, a, a 62 or, or 65 grain a full metal jacket, you have a decreased chance of overpenetration versus a 9 millimeter, a 40, or a shotgun. It just does not go through as many walls. And a lot of people are going to be like, oh, my God, that's, that's not possible. But if you look at all the data that's out there, the FBI, the DEA, uh, San Diego County Sheriff's Department, uh, numerous police departments all over the United States have done, they've built houses and shot them up and found that the uh, the AR-15 just doesn't punch as many walls as a lot of your popular handgun calibers or shotgun. That's one of the reasons that the MP5 has gone the way of the Buffalo for uh, SWAT teams. They found the AR-15 is a lot better for uh, risking overpenetration when you know going through houses and such. But I'm going to rewind a little bit and go back to our jack wagon uh-huh. for okay. the week. And, uh, <laughs> You're f- with my editing. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, but you can run it just like this. Run it like <laughs> all right. this. All right. Our listeners are used to this by now, okay? <laughs> yeah, so, they are. I'm going to put myself on the jack wagon train. Oh, really? Because of our little shoot that we had this week. I couldn't hit a freaking football 20 feet away <laughs> with a shotgun. So, Oh, wow. But but I nailed a 3-inch by 3-inch target at you know 50 yards away, first shot with an AR, boom. Yeah, because you wanted like to that. see that Tannerite explode. <laughs> <laughs> but I couldn't hit the freaking football. That was pretty shocking. When's the last time you shot skeet, though? Ah, yeah. It's a long time. Yeah, probably eight years oh, or so. that's why. Because when we shot that day, I mean, it took me probably. Now I did have I did have the choke on my gun too that I was shooting. I had the turkey choke. Oh, that so I help. wasn't getting the spread that you guys were getting at, yeah. at the short. But that's just I'm not going to use that as my excuse. I still should have hit the damn thing. I had three shots at it, so <laughs> <clears throat> I'm putting myself on the train because of that. Left but, hand. I, but but again, I'm reinforcing what he's saying about shotguns versus ARs too. So. Yeah, left hand. Yeah, welcome to the jack wagon train. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> It was voluntary. You know, I'm going to kind of, we, we've used this before as a fact to fight the myth, but it just fits so well with what you're talking about with the shotgun is the fact of, or the myth of if you rack the shotgun, the people, noise, the guys will take off running out the door. Yeah. Just, and and that's we, not we, always true. No. And you're also presupposing that you're going to hear them before they get into the home and you're able to access the shotgun and rack it. Right. Yeah. It well, already we, be we all know the proper way to defend your home, and that's to take a double barrel shotgun, walk out on your porch, and shoot it twice in the air, and, and fire off two blasts. Get yourself a shotgun. <laughs> a double barrel shotgun. <laughs> uh, he watched. Um, I think he watched Skyfall and became a weapons expert. <laughs> the only thing I can think of. Going back to that, uh, the gun I wish I'd never gotten rid of. It is a Colt Mark IV Series 80, so it's not a Mark Eight. Okay. okay, gotcha. So trivia from last week, left hand. Okay. Trivia from last week uh, was in reference to Don Shipley's video that he had uh, where this guy was on there, and we wanted you to tell us what logo was on his hat and what SEAL team or what SEAL class he was claiming to be a part of. And the answer was... Chevrolet on the hat, and he was claiming to be a part of SEAL class or Bud's class 70. Yeah. And oh, wow. the winner of the answer to that was Raphael. Uh, actually, a new listener, I think he said. Yeah. In that email. Yeah. So, Raphael, Raphael uh, send us a email with your mailing information, 
and we'll get you a little something from Rob Pincus and the Personal Defense Network. Maybe we'll send him a T-shirt. Yeah, that'll work. Yeah, send your Tell size. Your size. Send us your size, and we'll send you a T-shirt. Are you familiar with Don Shipley, Aaron? I am. I am familiar with Don Shipley. That guy is uh, awesome. Was, <laughs> yeah, we had him <laughs> on really, last I week. Was, uh, I was. Uh, I had somewhat of a front row seat for his uh, his outing of a thick seal named Bill Burley. Oh wow! <laughs> out, out in California, I I, uh, I knew some people who knew the uh, the infamous Bill Burley, and so I was really glad to see that uh, Bill Burley got found out for, for being the fake that he was. Uh, I don't like stolen valor in any form, so no. it's really great when someone actually goes out there and says, "No, this guy's a liar," and here's here's how I know that. Call him out to the mat. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay. So this week's trivia is going to be giving a shout out to Sage Dynamics YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and type in Sage Dynamics, one word, S-A-G-E-D-Y-N-A-M-I-C-S. Look for Sage Dynamics Defensive Handguns Fundamentals Trailer. And tell us what celebrity Aaron looks like. (laughs) (laughs) He's going to edit that out here. I'm just just messing with you. And within that video, he talks about something you should do when you have a double feed. And then afterwards says, because that's where 90% of your malfunctions are going to be. So what is it he recommends you do after that double feed in the Sage Dynamics Defensive Handgun Fundamentals trailer? And the winner of that is going to get, Aaron? A copy of the Sage Dynamics Defensive Handgun Fundamentals DVD. Awesome. Very cool. It's a very generous gift. Make sure you go check that out. Sage Dynamics on YouTube. Sage Dynamics, Defensive Handgun Fundamentals trailer, and find the answer to that trivia question. And make sure you subscribe to his channel. And you got a Facebook page also? Yes, we do. It's uh, Sage Dynamics on Facebook. And my personal Instagram account is uh, Sage Dynamics. Uh, I post a lot of stuff on the Instagram that doesn't make it to the uh, Facebook page. Okay. I have become an Instagram addict, by the way. Uh, You know, it's really weird that an entire social media community exists on your cell phone. Yeah. Instagram quite a bit. Um, Not an unhealthy amount, but uh, it's close. Yeah, I don't do it as much as I watch and check different people that we follow. Like, I'll I'll put out maybe one, maybe two a week. That's about it. But uh, other than that, you know, it's more just following and seeing some of the crazy stuff that goes on on there. And you know what? I'm going to go back to something I said uh, months ago because I think... I don't know if you were involved, or, or I think you, you chimed in on what uh, Brandon and I were saying. People, if we are all firearms enthusiasts, defensive handguns enthusiasts, hunting guys, just gun lovers in general, and we we believe in the Second Amendment and we love the Second Amendment, we've all got to be on the same team. Because if we're not, a house divided cannot stand so yes, quit complaining and getting in these just raging, hateful fights on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter, on YouTube. You know, if you've got a differing opinion, that's fine. And you, there's going to be tons of people that will have differing opinions. But, you know, don't let don't put that out on social media, because guess what? That's just giving fire and, and fuel to the uh, the gun grabbers. You know, that's what they want. They want us to bicker and fight amongst ourselves and just like you said it's going to divide us and we're ultimately going to lose if we don't stick together exactly so that's my little rant for the week and going to thank our sponsors once again like thank ICE training that's icetraining.us check them out US Elite Gear us-elitegear.com and don't forget to type in talking lead there and get your good discount get your decount Oh, baby. Yeah, yeah. 
into his house. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> HG Press, Holder and Green Professional Real Estate Services. Give them a call today for all your Middle Tennessee real estate needs at 1-800-615-1840, extension 2222. Or All or Nothing Tattoo Studio. That's allornothingtattoo.com. And go to their gun-friendly merchandise store, strangleholdmerch.com. You can get the shirt I talked about earlier, the Hostages Save Lives with the AK-47. Uh, the majority of his logos has bullets or grenades or guns in them. So there's some really cool shirts out there. And make sure you check out Aaron at Sage Dynamics. That's S-A-G-E-D-Y-N-A-M-I-C-S dot org. You made it through it, too. Aaron, we appreciate you coming on, man. It's been hey, fun. I appreciate you guys having me. Not a problem. We look forward to uh, coming down and, and getting some instruction from you, buddy. Yeah, definitely come down and take class. We'll do. Love to. And as always, left hand, keep your loved ones close and keep your firearms close. told you that you look like matt damon uh, i have heard that i look like matt damon i resent that <laughs> okay i wasn't going to tell you that though no you can do it i get it all the time my response to my response usually when somebody says hey you look like matt damon is i use the uh, team america world police line to say matt damon <laughs> <laughs> well i mean certain angles when you turn but i mean if you look at you you don't really but certain angles you do like right there you look just like him yeah, I used to get uh, compared to the guy from Entourage when that was still on. Entourage. Yeah, the the the, uh, the lead the, guy, the guy they hired as their bodyguard. Oh, I hadn't seen that. Yeah. And he also played Herc on The Wire. Okay, I haven't watched that yet either. I'm too too busy watching your YouTube videos. Okay, all right, I'm back. <laughs>